Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on January the 31st, 2016. Well, you know the big script, the big, it's like reading a play that lasts a whole of your life really and beyond. It's been rapidly unrolled now and uh, I talked about this years and years and years and years ago and it was novel to people at the time because there was nobody else out there really going through it all. They hadn't done the homework on it and studied all the different books and papers and all the rest of it for, for, for early years, basically. Now they claim that they, they did, of course, and that is nonsense. But uh, some of them even claim that it's like exciting times to be alive. But it's really boring because all you're doing is living through what you knew was coming all along if you, if you really have been studying it. It can only be exciting if it's all new to you, basically. And it's an old script, very, very old, uh, predates world wars, both of them. And we are definitely run by global masters, you see. The whole system, as I say, always runs on this thing called money. Everywhere you go, it's money. And regardless of what they call the currency, it's really the same money masters in charge of it worldwide. Debt, all the rest of it. And everything in a nation from your type of government, doesn't matter what kind of government you have, depends on this money system. So those who control money obviously control everything, including the governments, you see. And this is the time, this is the 21st century, this is the, t- the century of change, that's what they called it, I've mentioned many times um, in the last century, that's what they called the coming century, the 21st century, the century of change, where all their old plans would be, have the dust blown off them and implemented, put into operation, to get the proper society run properly the way it should be run properly by the proper people themselves, naturally, and academics. And what often appears to the public is to be outright fanatics, but they're awfully well-paid fanatics. It's quite easy to, to drum up fanaticism if you're being incredibly well-paid and lots of promises to be up amongst the, well, not quite at the upper echelon of the global masters, but at least uh, in the top tiers of helpers, you see. Terrible flaw in human nature, isn't it, that people can get bought off so easily. And don't forget, too, that most folk don't have the psychopathic traits that full-blown psychopaths do. Psychopaths can be awfully charming. That's why they get ahead, you see, as they create havoc amongst those around them, they use everyone around them to get up there, you see. You take a basic thing, a basic premise in a system that pretends to be free and pretends to be democratic, but they give you parties right away. The whole idea of democracy was to to elect someone in your area that represented you, all of you in your area. But as soon as you enter their party business and you, and you go with a complaint from your area, oh, I, well, I'd like to help, but you see, the party doesn't, well, they want to go this direction. The party. So it's a bit of a racket, isn't it? It's always been a racket, you see. But it keeps people pretty docile. They think, they think they've got a say in things and they think that the folk that they elect um, are actually picked by them. Uh, it's quite... It's, it's kind of hilarious, really, isn't it? It really is. There's an awful lot of pretense, too, when folk think that uh, a person is going to change 
your world, eight, one person, a person who's never run a country before, a person who often hasn't run anything bigger than some charity organization, appointed by a government to do so, with this strange blend of charities and foundations and all the rest of it. And many of them haven't, uh, the presidents haven't, have literally weren't CEOs and things like that. When any politician gets into office, they're given positions. And they're in charge of the department of, in so-called British uh, Commonwealth countries, it's ministries off. And there's a permanent bureaucracy there with lifers, who are often, literally, third or fourth generation bureaucrats. And they know what they're there for, and they are the ones that hand all the scripts, along with the script writers, to the guy that's supposed to be running the country, or to the person that's the minister for that particular area, the appointee, the politician. For all the massive agenda to be unleashed in the public, and I mean unleashed because it's already written, written long before the last big meeting for COP21. And the 2030 agenda that comes up for the next part of it and so on within the 21st century, is still Agenda 21, will be indoctrinated our entire lives in the preparation for it all because in countless television uh, newscasts and documentaries, there was sneak a little bit in there on, on messy, messy uh, urban areas and sustainability and all the rest of it. It's just too untidy, you see. And all your local councillors are working locally as they think globally. That's came out from the United Nations marketing department a long time ago. And it's a kind of buzz term for them all, you see. The one the wannabes who get into any kind of public office to start implementing the agenda. And if they do it awfully well, they'll be allowed to live down the road in their little sustainable villages, just for them and bureaucrats and so on, you see. Remember I said years and years and years ago, way back in the 90s, that um, the gender that's been brought in, the whole system, technically has kind of fascist and old-fashioned sense, it's fascist overlords running, uh, the, the CEOs of corporations and so on, the feudal system uh, that Carl Quigley said would be brought in. I know it's two other folk are carrying the book now, reprinting it, because it's out of copyright. So they're making money off of it. But they didn't even hear of it until I started talking about it, a lot of them. And he talked about the CEOs being the new feudal overlords in the system. New feudalism, you see. A fascist kind of system. But underneath it, you see, you've got a communistic, socialistic system of managing the public with massive government, massive agencies galore, right down to your local level. And they're implementing some of them in countries already. have gone through the GERFEC in Scotland. They've won for England, Wales, and so on. Different uh, names for the same thing, basically. And across other European countries, where you'll be tested and brought up and tweaked, you see, into the right kind of thinking to serve your masters in the new system. This is being brought in right now. And school children have been getting indoctrination for years and years, so, and many of them now are adults, and uh, they think it's all quite natural the way it's unfolding. They believe that uh, uh, we're just bad, bad, bad um, caretakers of the planet, all of you, you see. 
simply because you exist. You consume, you, you have garbage and all the rest of it. It's all your fault. That's been drummed into you all, you see. Drummed into you. Of course, the, the system itself is never discussed. Like, everything's meant to bust and break and, and always buy, buy, buy. Uh, because you always need something new to replace the broken junk that is this deliberately, purposely made to only last a, a very short period of time. You must always think it's all your fault. I said years ago too, many years ago, they would be volunteers of children for sterilization to save the world and the planet. And throughout the years, I've mentioned little articles that came out eventually, where some school children actually went forward and did the little bits in the paper. They, they volunteered to be sterilized to save the world. You see, good little, good people doing the right thing because that's what indoctrination says. Children are just too easy to indoctrinate, and we've all been children. Everyone's had their indoctrination, because it's a very old plan, very, very old. And they want a reduced population, vastly reduced, as they, they basically flood every country in the West with immigrants from the most diverse cultures possible to eliminate the original cultures. But they also want it all flattened across the world. Massive depopulation. Kissinger himself uh, talked about, and again, it was in the archive section at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, way back with Richard Nixon, uh, the biggest threat, not just the state, but he's all talking about the world state too. <laughs> uh, the way this speaks is awfully interesting. But uh, he talked about being basically um, overpopulation from third world countries. And we have that, of course, diseases, we have diseases breaking out all the time. Have, have since World War II, that's when the labs, the bio labs really got up and running to create bioweapons, viruses and bacterium, uh, which would kill off enemy populations, but it could also be used on internal populations. And again, we're through a lot of the history of that too. If going back in my archive section on the website to listen to them. Canada actually led the way for a long time during and after World War II for a while. But we also have literally genetic and purpose-designed bioweapons that are ethnic-specific. So whatever ethnicity, you have genes going back to so-and-so, so many generations, it'll hit you too, you see. They're so far ahead of anything you can imagine. And, um, and, that, and that's another story too. But, and they want the whole world plat- flattened out to have a sustainable population. They don't need us all now, you see, since most of us are deindustrialized, post-industrial, and you're basically failing, failing, because service economies must all fail, where all you do is consume and buy from abroad and pass it around through middle agencies till it gets to the stores they knew. Again, your governments uh, are run by the money men who manage it all, and who are pushing for this whole new world system. Because money to them is simply an instrument of control and incredible luxury for themselves and their offspring to go on through coming generations, still ruling the system which they've now updated into a new system to suit themselves. Power never gives itself up willingly. 
And it certainly doesn't share itself either. But you all will share because you're being taught that nothing is so great as service, a life service. Everyone must be in service under the old communistic system. Remember, too, you all be run in a communistic and socialistic system because of the massive government expansion over many years and all of its agencies and so on to manage all of you intricately. And you will be managed in the future into the the complete system. It's all planned that way. There's no experimentation to be done anymore. They've done it all in small experiments. And if they work on the small scale, uh, they work on the micro scale too. Now, tonight I'm going to go through a lot of Awfully related articles, awfully, they're all related, interwoven with each other, basically, and what I've been talking about, too, to show you that um, you've been kept out of decision-making your whole life long, and your parents, too, as far as governments go, because the governments only simply follow the rules of a very old plan, and they follow the plan or else, basically. They, they certainly follow or else. Now, people have been complaining for a long time about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, how it was rammed through in secrecy in your democratic countries, you know, and you still vote, and it's, it's incredible to me, but folk do. And this one is about Canada, will sign the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal February the 4th. Now, listen to this for double speak. It will sign it February the 4th, but ratification is not certain. How can you have it signed? But ratification is not certain. It's an oxymoron. And it says, International Trade Minister Christia Freeland says, Canada will sign up to the, the TPP trade deal at a ceremony in New Zealand February the 4th, but it's for ratifying the deal. Freeland said that would be, still be a matter for Parliament. Really? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Parliament ratifies, it goes through all and decides yes or no first. Then they send somebody out, the minister out, to sign it. See, it's all a joke we're living through. It really is a joke, isn't it? It says that um, just as uh, it is too soon to endorse the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it's also too soon to close the door, International Trade Minister Christia Freeland wrote. What does that mean? Too soon to endorse it. It's also too soon to close the door. Huh? Signing does not equal ratifying. Well, why sign it then? Here you go. Signing is simply a technical step in the process. Well, when you sign something, the government's famous for getting you to sign all kinds of things. Uh, that's a legal, <laughs> that's legal uh, procedure there. And your life can be in the line for it at times. It can be. If, if it comes to anything, your life can be on the line for that. Think about that. But according to this one here, no, they're going to sign it. And then the parliament can discuss it. So I'll put that up because I don't want to get any further with this double speak. It's just incredible. Oh. Again, uh, all this stuff comes through the this, this, this script writers and marketers and all right. It's all worked out with psychology and to, to throw folk off. They'll say, oh, I can't follow this thing, and they just dismiss it from their mind. But legally, you've been told something. Another one here, too, it says... Um, it says uh, the launch of the, the United Nations Sustainable Development Agenda to guide development actions... For the next 15 years, so they've just launched it, basically. 
and it says the new year ushers in the official launch of the bold and transformative 2030 agenda. And if you think they didn't implement all this stuff from the up to the 2015 one into the 16, forget it. Of course they did. And it says uh, for sustainable development adopted by world leaders, these folk that you think you vote in, you know, they're all on board with this thing, depopulation, you name it, yada, yada. Taking your tax money, throwing it across the planet for corporations to use to build the factories in other third world countries. As you've got nothing left at home. The new agenda calls on countries to begin efforts to achieve 17 sustainable development goals, called SDGs, over the next 15 years. Amazing, isn't it? Then the Secretary General in the UN appoints advocates to build widespread support for the Sustainable Development Goals. So Ban Ki-moon announced today appointment of a group of eminent persons to assist in the campaign to achieve the Sustainable Development Goals. The world leaders unanimously, isn't that amazing? With all different cultures and ways of living, they all unanimously signed or went along with this thing, supposedly. World leaders unanimously adopted. What's the difference between adopted and signed? Huh? Last September. With a mandate to support the Secretary General in his efforts to generate momentum and commitment. They want all your cash, you see. And all your carbon taxes are coming in big time. Energy taxes, you name it. It's all coming in, folks, as you go down to third world status in the West. To achieve the SDGs by 2030, the newly named SDG advocates, do you vote for them? No. They'll add powerful voices to spur action on the visionary and transformational sustainable development agenda. They love transformation, which means change. Remember, Obama, change is good. Nobody asked him what it meant. The 17 SDGs aim to end poverty, really. As we go into poverty because of all, we're deindustrialized. It's all been given to China. And it says, fight inequalities. And tackle climate change. There you go. In this climate change thing, yeah, it's changing all right because they're spraying us like crazy with chemtrails and it's geoengineering, they like to call it, of course. No. And um, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals are a shared vision of humanity and a social contract. Now, where you heard that before? A social contract, eh? Between the world's leaders and the people. Well, who spoke on behalf of you? Did you speak for yourself? You know, you understand, we, we deserve everything we get when we don't speak for ourselves, but we'll allow other folk to do it for us. And we don't even know these other folk, but you'll vote them in. And the advocates will have a task of promoting the universal sustainable development agenda, raising awareness of the integrated nature of the SDGs and fostering the engagement of new stakeholders in the implementation of the SDGs. And some of the top names for these advocates that are appointed at UN, which again, too, we don't elect to, remember. Even the United Nations members, we don't elect for it. Nobody got the vote for the United Nations either. The populations of the countries didn't get a vote to even create it. It was created privately. So was the World Bank. So was the IMF. So was the Bank for International Settlements. By one group of people. All of them were created by one group. Anyway, uh, one is called Erna, uh, the Solberg, D. Jai D. Uh, Mahama, 
Shikara, uh, Jeff Sachs, that's the guy I've mentioned before, again going to the uh, archive section, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and I th- that's the guy, that I think even the Pope had there to advise him on it, and he went along with it too. And Forrest Whitaker. Diverse group of advocates engaged with partners from civil society, academia, parliaments, and the private sector to develop new and groundbreaking ideas and ways to promote the SDG implementation. Includes heads of state and government, business and political leaders, and prominent academia, as well as artists who have shown outstanding leadership in their field. Amazing, isn't it? Other advocates include, guess who? Her Majesty Queen of uh, Matilde of Belgium, Royal Highness Crown Princess Victoria of Sweden, Mr. Richard Curtis, screenwriter, producer, film director, and film director, Ambassador Do Young Shim, Chairperson of the United Nations World Tourism Organization, Sustainable Tourism for Eliminating Poverty Foundation. Ha <laughs> Tourism for Eliminating Poverty. What they do is they eliminate the people who are in poverty in certain areas, then they got all land to themselves, bulldoze other things down, then they've got a tourist trade there, you see. Miss Lehman Vobie, uh, weird name, director, uh, she's in charge of a peace foundation. Remember, the definition of uh, peace, world peace, and the, the standard socialist conception and communist conception was elimination of all opposition. Mrs. Uh, uh, Graca, Gracia Marshall, President, Foundation of Community Development. Leo Messi, world-renowned footballer. Oh, he's, that's great. Kicking balls around for a living, getting paid all that money for it. A, a, child, a child's game, for God's sake. Her Highness uh, Shika Moza Bint Nasser. Uh, Ms. Ala Marabit, founder of the Voice of Libyan Women. Mr. Paul Pullman, Unilever, Chief Executive Officer of Unilever. Professor Jeffrey Sachs, Director, Earth Institute, Columbia University. And he's, he's, he's really the main uh, hub for all these sustainable goals throughout the U.S. and Canada and so on and so on. Self-appointed, of course, you know, by his master's really, he wasn't really self-appointed. But I'm sure he's glad. He'll probably think that he did. He's a tremendous ego. And it goes on about all the rest of them, too. You can read it all for yourself. And plus to Professor Mohamed uh, Yanus the founder of Grameen Bank as well. There's all other banks, I'm sure, involved in it too, especially the ones that get all your carbon taxes. And I've read about them before. Outcomes of the UN Climate Change Conference in Paris and uh, the 21st session of the Conference of Paris, the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. And this goes into the Framework Convention and reached a landmark agreement December 12 in Paris charting a fundamentally new course in the two-decade-old global climate effort. And that's about how long they've been daily spraying us, actually. So that's when they started changing the climate. And, and it's really beautiful, because we've all seen them spraying the skies like crazy. And you've watched the weather changing as they do it. They can either disperse clouds until they've got that mushy, hazy, misty, milky colour in the sky. Or they can create clouds, too, depending on the type of spray that they use. And we've had all the bronchial increases and deaths and all the rest of it with inhaling this uh, toxic stuff for a long time. And uh, 
But that doesn't matter. You see, it's your fault. Everything's your fault. Even when they kill us all off uh, in other ways too, which they're doing, actually they're doing it as well, it's still our fault. It's all your fault. That's why they've got to be in charge to change it all and run the world properly, you see. It's quite funny too. I mean, everything, to me, it's, it's boring reading this. It's like, it's like things have been, I've read so many times before. Because everything that happens for the future is always exposed by themselves in little articles here and there all over the planet. And it becomes awfully boring uh, to live through this awful script. The script has all been written like a stage play, and your whole life is just living through the darn thing, you know. And they get away with it too because the public have no clue, and they're caught up with nonsense and diversions and lots of entertainment uh, to keep them occupied. Even in entertainment too, I said the best method of indoctrination is through fiction. You add on all these little things into the fictional stories. Stacks of them came out on global warming, climate change, overpopulation, all that kind of stuff over many years. And you've all been exposed to it, you see. And that's why things eventually seem, well, I guess they're right, you know. It all came from fiction, folks. Anyway, through all this list of stuff they have, they've got reaffirmed the binding obligations of developed countries under the UNFCC to support the efforts of developing countries. That's your cash going away. Well, for the first time, encouraging voluntary contributions by developing countries too, to encourage them. They're all signing on to give it already. And all your local... See, it doesn't matter if, even if you're, if you're feds, if you're an American and your feds said, no, we're not signing this. Your local areas, your states, provinces, and all the rest of it, and counties, have folk who can make their own little deals, you see. And they have done this over the years, joined a few places up, some provinces in Canada with some U.S. state as well, because they're doing it through that way as well. So they go ahead and do it, and the feds say, well, we can't stop them. Remember? I think global, act local. They're not busy on these little, these little termites, you see, as they destroy the old system to bring in the new. And this is extend the current goal. Now, the current goal is to get $100 billion a year in support by 2020. They want to extend the current goal, you see, uh, through 2025, with a new higher goal to be set for the period after 2025. So as we're all going bankrupt, uh, the banks are ready for their bail-ins and all the rest of it, and bailouts, by the way, both. And they've signed all the deals, again, through the private BIS and World Bank. Getting ready for all. Your country's all signed on to it. Uh, you're going to be living in utter squalor, folks, with the cash now, this massive cash and taxes to go to the United Nations, never mind all the ones uh, and fines and all that that are going to be placed on you for trying to live, uh, just live and survive. If you aren't using the right kind of fuel to heat yourself in the winter, you should be a good citizen for the world state, you see, and die quietly and gratefully for the greater good. And um, there you go. Require the parties engaging in international emissions trading to avoid double counting. <laughs> see, they've been, they've been giving out these emission trading um, Credits, 
billions of dollars worth across countries in Europe from the EU Parliament, that non-democratic system, and to get to get the whole thing started for years and years now. And they're making money, profit off trading this stuff. They're trading nothings, you know, credits. Just, they're just figures. We paid for it all. It's our tax money. And it's to go through certain, uh, and basically, exchanges, as they call it, like Al Gore's, you know, Gore and, and Gore and Blood, it's called, actually. Can you believe that Gore and Blood is one of them? You can't make this stuff up. And, uh, and other ones too. And the Rothschild's private bank, the family bank in Switzerland, is going to be one of the main ones, uh, bank for all the world's uh, carbon things eventually to go through. Naturally. And call for a, a new mechanism similar to the clean development mechanism under the Kyoto Protocol, enabling emission reductions in one country to be counted towards another country's NDC. Incredible. And um, I can read it all yourselves. It's too much for me to read tonight, folks. For those who care, that is. I give you the, the plain truth, you know, for those who can handle it. So most folk can't. They want a show. They want a show because they've been entertained their whole lives long with wrestling matches and guys screaming and stuff like that. They want a show. I just tell you the basic truth. It's up to you to handle it. For those who want to. And that's why I do this this show for. It's for those who want to. It's just best to go through your life knowing what's going on. Even if you can't share it. Even if you can't. Just to keep your sanity. You see, if you're full like the rest of the folks, you're not quite sane. Think about that. United Nations World Bank Group Launch high-level panel on water. You see, all, all the things that you need to survive and live on has been taken off, been taken off you into private hands to manage it better. Globally. The Global Water Supply Inc. So I think that's kind of an idea there it was. An energy supply inc, etc. And then again, Secretary General of the United Nations and the President of the World Bank jointly announced their intention to form a new panel to mobilize urgent action towards a sustainable development goal for water and sanitation and related targets. As when it comes as countries experience water stress and water-related disasters, it will grow worse due to climate, climate change. No, it's not, the, it's not the, the present government agencies or environment dumping the poisons in the water by mistake, they claim. No, no. It's your fault. Because you create climate change, they claim, as they do it right above your heads for years and years. So, this is a water is a precious resource crucial to realizing sustainable development goals, which at their heart aim to eradicate poverty. It's all for a good cause. Giving up your rights to, to, to any water, even a puddle that forms from the rain, it's not yours anymore, you see. The new panel can help motivate the, uh, the action we need to turn ideas into reality. The UN system included, including through UN Water and the United Nations Development System's universal operational presence, is committed to promote inclusive and country-led action on SD, 
G6 Android targets. They actually have green tar- green police throughout Africa. They go around with big massive batons about four feet long and bash the people in the villages. Hey. So, uh, as you see, the panel to be co-chaired by the presidents of Mauritius and Mexico will comprise a group of heads of state and governments from developed and developing countries convened by the UN Secretary General and the President of the World Bank Group. And they're supposed to motivate action, advocate on financing and implementation, and of course, fleecing the public, and promote efforts to mobilize financial resources and scale up investment for the water sustainable development goals. And uh, now, like, as I say, you don't vote for the UN, nobody did. Guys who are tremendous propagandists, well financed by a private organization, the same one that gave you the BIS and all the rest of it, long ago, that has job was a propagandist through his fictional works primarily, but he wrote a lot of non-fiction too. H.G. Wells was completely on board with it all. He was a pompous little arrogant character and um, with a squeaky voice, so they should laugh at him when he spoke. He didn't like that at all. But anyway, uh, he talked about uh, the world that was going to come in, you see. He's all for it. All for it. Right down to depopulation of the, you know, the fear types they wouldn't need anymore. By sterilizing them. They could have killed them, he says in one of his books. It's non is is semi-fictional books, actually. And it was a, a modern utopia. He says, we could have killed all the, you know, the lower class people. But, but, with, but we're more humane, we just sterilized them. You will guess what's happening in the West. You've all been getting sterilized. Your sperm count's been plummeting for years and years and years. And there's lots of documentation uh, from the big uh, medical sources to tell you about it. It's a mystery. And, um, and also, too, I've got uh, lots of stuff on um, this to do with Wood stoves. Of course, they've been banning them across different states already before they had the last meeting at the COP21. Uh, and, of course, it's to be worldwide. You see, anything water, food, heating, any of these kind of things that you need to survive are to be taken completely out of your hand. I've said that for well over 25 years. So, it says the purpose of the action is to finalize amendments to the standards of performance for new residential wood heaters. That's 40 CFR Part 60 and Subpart AAA. Sounds very officially. And to add one new uh, subpart, standards of performance for new residential hydronic uh, heater stand, forced air furnaces. <laughs> and so on and so on. Long article again. Uh, I ain't going to read it. I'll leave it to you to see what's, what's there. Oh, if I, air pollution, as they spread the sky with aluminum oxide, barium, strontium, and lots of other awfully toxic and carcinogenic things, you see. And blame you for it. Also, Korean government orders residents, this is after the meeting, right? COP21. Orders the residents to get rid of their old wood-burning stoves or pay thousands of dollars in fines. There's your choice. Thousands of dollars in fines till you lose your home and everything else. 
is an oblique attack on those who prefer living as self-sufficient as possible. Citizens of Montreal in Canada have been ordered to first register their wood-burning stoves. We've heard that before, register it first. And then ultimately get rid of them within three years unless they meet rigid air quality standards. Now, you can't keep up with the standards. Same with uh, outdoor septics and all the rest of it. These are all part of the big, big agenda. Because the UN keeps upping the standards for everything. And you can't, and I mean frequently, until you simply couldn't afford it. The deadline to register wood-burning stoves under fireplaces in Montreal was December 22nd, 2015. And the new emissions regulations would be implemented in 2018. Uh, those who refuse to comply will be subject to fines, and those who are willing to adjust will be forced to pay for expensive modifications to wood-burning stoves and fireplaces. Now, I started with that government official from Canada going over to New Zealand to sign, not or, or ratify, or sign, or some strange legalese. It's, it's really not signing, it's signing, but it's not, it's not uh, passed by the government yet, you know. And I said it didn't matter where your feds implement it or not, because the local ones, you see, all these little, these minions have been working quietly behind the scenes for your entire life, actually, and get awfully well rewarded for doing so, implementing this world agenda in their own little areas. I've done this in Montreal, before the feds have ratified anything, supposedly. And, of course, the folk in Montreal won't say, well, who are these people? Find who they are, for councillors, the councillors of mayors, all these characters, all these different groups, these world council, all under the UN of mayors, etc. Find out who they are and fire them. And this article does go into uh, all the little bits of it, you know. The, the new uh, wood-burning appliances will be banned unless they meet the rigorous new emission standards of 2.5 grams of fine particles or less per hour. The bylaw is the strictest in North America, says Riel Menard. The city's executive committee is responsible for the environment. Gods of the air, we have, let's say ancient Egypt had that. You see, the, the pharaoh and some of his minions were gods of the air, earth. Everything crawled on the, on the earth, swam in the water, dug under the earth and warmed itself up. Everything was owned by these gods. And we're right back to it, you see, under the guise, not being a god, but being you know, scientific. It's awfully scientific, you see. You're too dumb to understand it all. Yeah. Presently, a transforming, uh, transforming a stove or fireplace with inserts so that it's in compliance with the upcoming regulations costs between $2,000 and $8,000. That's only one part, folks. It's just your stoves. Many outraged Montreal citizens have left comments on news articles. No, they should leave the Darn province. Leave them. If there are more taxes to get, though, they'll change their tune. And so on. One such comment, a different folk comment on the on the, the National Post, one of the big papers here, submitted by a man named Tristan Verboven, who hit the nail on the head. It says, after thousands of years relying on fire as a source of heat, suddenly humans have discovered fire is so dangerous 
They must use the power provided by government monopoly instead. So you're left with the government monopolies, their pals. Because that's all a big part, part of it too, you see. And a lot of folk are too poor to spend the kind of money for the fuel for the winters in this climate here. I've had a, a couple of weeks on and off where it was 35 below quite often and lower with north winds on top of that. So the, your good governments, your, your democratic governments are going to fine you into the ground till you lose your property or put you in jail or you can die peaceably if you can't afford it. Or you can move into the overcrowded cities as advocated by Agenda 21. See, somehow the vehicle and industrial emissions is not worth eliminating, it says. That would be a way more uh, complicated than inspecting people's private homes to enforce a law everyone knows as a racket. And you have government inspections of your homes and all the rest of it. There's no private property anymore. That's always been a goal of uh, governments and this big world agenda to get you used to the idea that your whole life is regulated by the central government a la Karl Marx, you see. Centralization. They take their, their, their instructions from the world government at the United Nations, the umbrella organization. And again, Montreal residents have to register their fireplaces and wood-burning stoves. And it talks about the fines there as well. A different article from about the same thing, basically. And it says uh, Dorval as well, another place recently adopted similar measures. <laughs> Montreal has sent out 47,000 letters to residents it suspects has the appliances. Based on records of municipal home evaluations and so on. So there you go. And part of the new bylaws too says no wood-burning appliances can be operated on smog days when air pollution rates are considered dangerously high. Well, that's always in the summer, isn't it? And you can't can't operate during power outages lasting longer than three hours. Even non-compliant wood-burning devices may be used. So you, you might be able to use it if there's a, 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 a power outage more than three hours. You might be, but you probably won't, you see. Regional District's Woodstove Exchange Program pro- uh, proving popular with South Okanagan uh, uh, coming residents, it says. This is a propaganda piece. How wonderful it is, this, this particular article. So this, this, this particular place has also partnered with the Central Okanagan Regional District to assist each other by supplying leftover rebates from one jurisdiction to another. You know, swapping the cash. Uh, the coordinator of this wood uh, stove exchange program, Janice Johnson, says the program has been well received in the regional district over the years. Well received, you see. With the regional district having exchanged 456 stoves from 2008 through the end of 2014. Quite some, eh? You know, Montreal should know better, though. They, they had that big ice storm in Quebec back in, oh, it was, it was the 90s. And it, it was like a national disaster. It was a national disaster. So all power went out. And you see, and, and a good part of Quebec, 
they, uh, they have che- very much cheaper electricity because they have a, a slightly different system within Canada, in French, French-speaking Canada. And uh, they have, uh, they had been get, because they're a big, big electricity company, the hydroelectric uh, dams and so on, um, were producing a lot of electricity for other provinces and, and even down in, into New York, in fact. From there, um, they were given very, very cheap rates of electricity. So they decided putting all these different contraptions in the house long ago for, for electricity to heat their homes. The big ice storm came. The massive, massive metal um, pylons that, that carried the, the electricity were down. They were down with the weight of ice on them, completely down. The place was frozen under. And from the federal government, they're telling folk across Canada to, to, to send their generators and clothing and all the rest of it and food out to Montreal because they had no other sources of heat. To heat these little space heaters that are electric. You know, these little things you, you cower to. But this is, a, I mean, out in Montreal, Quebec, where it's damn cold out there. It's like here. In Alaska as well, but here they go, given all all their ability to keep themselves alive, being taken away from them, without even a say so, a debate amongst them, a conversation with them, nothing. That is your new system. That's your new system, and the whole country is to go the same way. And in the, throughout the whole of the U.S. and Alaska, Alaska, I think Alaska's already got a lot of that in it already. Now, getting back to another part of the agenda, what you want is process depopulation, reduce the populations by all means possible. That's what's said in the quiet, you see. By all means possible. Of course, to the public, they'll say by persuasion, persuasion, you know. And as I've said before at the beginning of the talk here, and many times long before that too, if you've ever asked why things exist, like massive laboratories owned by government agencies and war departments, is it just to kill off folk in in wars, ultimate wars? Is it really? No, of course it's not. And you have, uh, again, Kissinger way back then, oh, the greatest threat to the state is uh, overpopulation. And overpopulation here is referring to as third world countries too, but not specifically or necessarily all, but two third world populations. Zika virus could be a bigger global health threat than Ebola, say health experts. Eh? Generally, you, you often find, if you really study uh, news and history and so on, and you get into the knowing of some scientists and all that, Africa, traditionally, is like a favorite place to test warfare, um, biological weaponry out on. And then they would send in their, their UN groups and so on to, to observe the disease, etc. And it's, oh my God, it's terrible. But they write all the symptoms down and see how it was working. A lot of them wouldn't even know what they were there for. But the information is fed up to the right sources, you see. So the Zika virus could be a bigger global health threat than Ebola. The start claim comes ahead of the World Health Organization's emergency meeting with notional vaccine testing on 
pregnant women a practical and ethical nightmare, it says. It says um, it a bigger health threat and so on. It says, that, it says more than Ebola, that which killed, Ebola killed 11,000 people in Africa, it claims, maybe more. It's a stark claim of several senior health experts ahead of an emergency meeting of the World Health Organization Monday, which will decide whether the Zika threat, which is linked to an alarming rise in cases of fetal deformation, called microcephaly. Sometimes in the States they call that cephaly, but in Britain it's, it's cephalic, you know. But um, it should be, related, uh, uh, should be rated as a global health risk. Uh, and some of them get stillborn as well, and um, miscarriages and all the rest of it. In many ways, the Zika outbreak is worse than Ebola. Uh, it says, most virus carriers are symptomless. It is a silent infection in a group of highly vulnerable individuals, such as pregnant women, that's associated with a horrible outcome for their babies. This came out of nowhere, you see. There's no prospect of a vaccine for Zika present, in contrast to Ebola, which, are, which uh, several are now under trial. Well, this is, you know, they actually got it. Does it any good? And then uh, the problem in developing a vaccine that would have to be tested on pregnant women is a practical and ethical nightmare and so on. And that's from a character who works at the Wellcome Trust, the big, uh, the big uh, pharmacy group that creates vaccines. And then you have um, genetic engineering, eh? Could thwart the Vika virus. So this is a, oh, we've got to bring in uh, genetic, you know, just to stop it, genetic engineering, I can stop it. This is among other mosquito-borne diseases. Despite the recent media frenzy concerning the, the, the CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, and a much vaunted genetics revolution, there have been few changes a person could use to show how our world has fundamentally changed thanks to genetic engineering. In fact, a technology pundit, Peter Thiel, or Thiel, put it, our world looks strangely old. And uh, with the recent use of genetically engineered mosquitoes in Brazil to halt the spread of the Zika virus, etc. Now, the reason I'm mentioning these ones, too, it ties in with something else. And it says... Um, they're using the Aedips uh, aegypti mosquito to cut as a carrier to halt the spread, etc. And the company behind the project called, is called Oxitec. Since they use a modified version of something called the sterile insect technique to create their hybrid specimens. The end goal of the process is to produce a male mosquito possessing a self-limiting gene. Kind of like the humans are now self-limiting too, eh? When, the, when these males mate with uh, wild female mosquitoes, they create non-viable offspring that perish soon after the birth. The end result is a rapid drop in mosquito population of a given area. That's what they tell you is a theory, right? And then you have this article here. Zika outbreak epicenters in the same area as genetically modified mosquitoes, which were released in 2015. Isn't that a coincidence? The World Health Organization announced it will convene an emergency committee under international health regulations Monday concerning the Zika virus explosive spread through the Americas. The virus reportedly has the potential to reach a pand- pand- pandemic proportions, basically, around the globe. And it goes through the causal relationship between Zika virus infection and birth malformations and neurological syndromes. is strongly suspected. 
The World Health Organization is deeply concerned about this rapidly evolving situation for four mere reasons. Four reasons. The possible association of infection with birth malformations and neurological syndromes. It says Zika seemingly exploded out of nowhere. That was first discovered in 1947. Now, again, only a couple of years after World War II, these big biolabs had so much money still thrown at them like crazy. The ones that sprung up during World War II. And uh, unlimited money, too. Uh, the governments always do that when they, they create some kind of emergency. Uh, they just throw money at anybody and everybody who claims they understand science, if they can do something with uh, diseases or weaponry or anything like that. And it says, uh, and then they can modify it, too, you see. That's generally how they got their, they got their bacterium and their viruses. They modify them with what they call fast breeders. Anyway, it says the, the original ones only sporadically occurred throughout Africa and southeastern Asia. 2007, the first case reported in the Pacific. 2013, a smattering of small outbreaks and individual cases were officially documented in Africa and the Western Pacific. And they also began showing up in the Americas. That's quite amazing, eh? From mosquitoes that don't travel, you know, more than about was it 400-odd meters, supposedly, from where they, they're Hatched. I don't believe that, though. They can blow a fair little distance across a field. Brazil has now conserved the epicenter of the Zika outbreak, which concludes with at least 4,000 reports of babies born with, uh, again, the brain uh, deformities, small brains, and so on. And that's only part of what they're born with, you know. And again, Oxitec first unveiled its large scale genetically modified mosquito farm in Brazil back in. 2012, with the goal of reducing the incidence of dengue fever as a disease daily reported, or disease daily, that's the name of a, 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 a paper. Dengue fever spread by the same Aedes mosquitoes, the same ones uh, who spread to the Zika virus, and though they cannot fly more than 400 meters, the World Health Organization states, it may inadvertently be transported by humans from one place to another. By July 2015, shortly after the GM mosquitoes were first released into the wild of Juazeiro, Brazil, Oxitec proudly announced they had successfully controlled the Aedes aegypti mosquito that spreads dengue fever, and then other ones as well, by reducing the target population by more than 90%. Might sound astonishing success, but it's an alarming possibility to consider. It says... Um, Nature finds a way, and the effort to control dengue, Zika, and other viruses appears to have backfired dramatically. The particular strain of Oxitec GM mosquitoes, and they gave the, the number, the name, uh, number name of it, are genetically altered, so the vast majority of the offspring will die before they mature, etc. These genetically modified mosquitoes work to control well potentially disease-carrying populations, etc. And... Um, it says only the male-modified mosquitoes are supposed to be released into the wild as they'll mate with their unaltered female counterparts. As it says supposed to, because I know, I know by looking at all this stuff, uh, occasionally get a, a female through in the batch. One offspring are produ- once they're produced, the modified scientific facet is supposed to kick in and kill that larvae before it reaches breeding age if tetracycline is not present during its development. But they've got a problem with it. According to an unclassified document from the Trade and Agricultural Directorate Committee for Agricultural, dated uh, 
February 2015, Brazil is the third largest in global antimicrobial consumption in food animal production. So they're wondering if that's got something to do with tetracycline kicking in. And again, or is it another red herring? Because they want to ban all antibiotics from the, the population, actually. And they want to also ban you having meat at all. Think about that. I'm trying to finish up my hurry here because it's running short of time. Another article, GM Mosquito Trial Strains Ties in the Gates-Funded Projects. So Bill Gates, Oxitec, there you go. But a year ago, genetically modified mosquitoes released into the the wild and have been flying under the world's radar screen until last week. And it's from 2010, by the way. And it says, uh, on the 11th of November, British company Oxitec announced that it carried out the world's first small outdoor trial with the transgenic Aedes aegypti mosquitoes in the Caribbean islands of Grand Cayman, and so on and so on. So, again, wherever you look, uh, these philanthropists and their big foundations are involved in a lot of weird stuff, folks. And they also believe in taking care of your health across the world, because they really care about it, but they also want massive depopulation. Isn't that a strange thing for these kind of folk to want both things at the same time? Hmm? I'll put this article up tonight. So the, again, what's, what's caused what here? Is this new one something that's caused? Because the areas that you'll find that uh, this breakout, this new disease, is where they were already using the Gates Oxitec mosquitoes for a different disease. Oxford spin-out Oxitec is now sold to Intrexon Corporation for $160 million. Not a bad comeback for Mr. Gates too, I'm sure. And it says, according to World Health Organization, dengue is for the dengue fever and all the rest of it. That's initially what it was supposed to be there for in all these places that now have this new disease. That's all I have time for tonight, folks. So, you can again go into cuttingthroughmates.com and help yourself to the articles there. Remember, too, you can buy the books and discs, and you can also send donations to me. You can find out how to do it on the website. And uh, it helped me take along as well. Everybody uses them, and all their talk shows do all the time. Uh, I feel like an unpaid uh, investigator for a lot of them, in fact, because I do a lot of the work for them for nothing. So you'd help me tick along too by uh, donating at least a buck or two here and there. How's that? Or buying the books to say in the discs as well. I've gone way, way back those discs. So from here is myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God, your God, go with you.